0: the holidays are fast approaching and that means family gatherings seeing beloved friends and family and another year of celebrating your family's unique traditions it's the best time of year to indulge in remembering the past and creating new memories that you'll cherish for years to come and now more than ever it means tons of great pictures pictures of your family gathered together or if you're a dog lover like me we opted for a photo of floof our beloved dog Normally, an 11 by 14 canvas is priced at $69.99, but with this limited time offer, you can get a free 11 by 14 canvas. Just pay shipping. Don't miss this amazing deal. Visit canvaspeople.com, upload your photo, and use code GONE at checkout. That's canvaspeople.com, promo code GONE. One more time, visit canvaspeople.com for a free 11 by 14 canvas. You just pay shipping. Listening to the Already Gone podcast, sharing stories of the missing, the murdered, the mysterious, and the lost. This week's episode is both a first and a last. This is the first time I've covered a case involving unidentified remains. We're discussing Alcona County Jane Doe, and. It's the last episode of 2017. Already Gone will return in mid-January 2018 with a new bi-weekly release schedule and longer episodes. I'm turning my attention to open, unsolved murders and disappearances, connecting with friends and family of the victim to bring you the story. Before we take a much-needed holiday break, I have another case to share with you. It's the story of two women, one missing, and one unidentified. Today, we're headed north. We are traveling 210 miles or 337 kilometers from Detroit to rural, beautiful Alcona County, known as the first of 83, as it is listed first alphabetically among Michigan's counties. This is beautiful country, with woods and lakes and rivers. The eastern border of the county sits on Lake Huron, Alcona County, known for magnificent outdoor spaces, with the Osable River and Osable State Forest bringing hunters, outdoorsmen, and tourists to the area. It's October 1994, and we're in a remote area near Curtisville Township in Alcona County, where remains are discovered by deer hunters. When the Alcona County Sheriff responds to the scene, they are led to the skeletal remains of a body. It would take several weeks and the help of scientists from Michigan State University to determine that this was the body of a woman, and she'd been left in those remote woods between 1990 and 1993. According to the Doe Network, her remains showed previous injuries, perhaps from a car accident, long before she was left in the woods. These injuries included two collapsed vertebrae and a healed fracture to the left arm. It would be nearly a decade before science made it possible for her DNA to be collected and entered into NamUs. If you aren't familiar with NamUs, I'm going to quote their website. The National Institute of Justice's National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, NamUs, is a national, centralized repository and resource center for missing persons and unidentified decedent records. Namus is an online system that can be searched by medical examiners, coroners, law enforcement officials, and the general public from all over the country in hopes of resolving these cases. We will talk about Namus later in the episode, and I have included a link to Namus in the show notes. Just a few short weeks ago, I came across a story shared on one of our Detroit news stations about unidentified remains found in northern Michigan. The story featured Alcona County Doe. Kelly, one of our listeners, commented that it could be the remains of Laura Lee Alber, a woman who vanished from Lansing in 1990. I decided to place a call to the Alcona County Sheriff and pass this information along, just in case, and that's when I connected with Alcona County Sheriff's Deputy Nathaniel Leesburg. In 1990, Laura Lee Alber was 38 years old, with long brown hair that fell past her shoulders, a scar on her right cheekbone, and a distinctive smile. Alber has a large gap between her two front teeth. She was a mother, and she was struggling with mental illness, which led her to homelessness. In the months before she vanished, Laura Lee Alber was known to use several aliases, including Laura Tribovic, Laura Kirill, and the name Charity. Alber was last seen in Lansing, the capital of Michigan, and her case is being handled by the Lapeer County Sheriff's Department. As you will hear during the interview, Laura Lee Alber looks like a good match to the Alcona County doe, but it was not to be. From the interview with Sheriff Leesburg, I learned that Alber along with hundreds of other missing and unidentified remains, have been ruled out as being Alcona County Doe. Before we talk with Sheriff's Deputy Nathaniel Leesburg, let's check in with our sponsor. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love. It's fun, free, and so easy to use. Zola has over 500 top brands and 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds. The group gifting feature lets multiple guests contribute to big ticket gifts. Plus, they offer price matching and free shipping every day. I've had the pleasure of shopping Zola. The site is sleek, intuitive, and easy to navigate. And they feature gifts from every style and budget. Zola's full suite of tools can be managed from the Zola Weddings app for iPhone and Android. To sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit toward your registry, go to Zola.com slash gone. That's Zola.com slash gone, and receive a $50 credit toward your registry. Join over 300,000 couples who have used Zola. That's Zola.com slash gone.
1: Hello, my name is Nathaniel Leesburg. I'm a deputy sheriff with Alcona County.
2: And Alcona County is in northern Michigan, up in the eastern part. And if memory serves, you're um, several miles south of Alpena?
1: Yeah, we're on 30 miles south of Alpena and roughly 30 miles north of Tawas.
2: Okay. So right off Lake Huron.
1: Yep. We sit right on the shores of Lake Huron.
2: And back in 1994, during bow hunting season, there was a discovery made. Can you talk about that with our listeners?
1: yes uh October of ninety four uh, bow hunters out in the woods uh, discovered some some bones and as they looked closer at the those bones, they discovered a skull and quickly identified it as a human skull and remains that were on the ground and notified law enforcement immediately.
2: Can you talk a little bit about where these were found? Because I'm not familiar with the area, and I'm guessing a lot of my listeners won't be familiar with the area. And, like, was it close to the road, far from the road, like how well concealed, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, Some of that information I'm not going to be able to give.
2: Okay, that's fine. But I can tell
1: you that what I can share is the remains were found in Curtis Township, which is uh, a township in the county of Alcona. it would have been West of Glenny and just, just down the road from the Elcona dam.
2: Okay. Is this a relatively isolated
1: area? It, it's a very isolated area. There's small town Curtisville, which is, um, down the road from town, but the area itself is very, uh, uninhabited. It's, uh, Isolated with nothing but wilderness um, for several miles.
2: So it's safe to assume that however these bones came to be where they were, they weren't expected to be found?
1: No, not at all.
2: And how long um, were the bones there before they were discovered? Do you have an estimate on that?
1: The doctors estimated that the remains had been placed there one to four years prior to being discovered.
2: Was there anything else, and I'm not asking you for specifics because I understand and my listeners understand that you have to reserve information as you're investigating, but was there anything yeah. found with with the remains that you can tell us about?
1: The condition in which the remains were found, I, I cannot release that information okay. at this time because it is an open criminal investigation, but the way the remains were left are very... Not normal there there are signs of possible foul play, but I, I can't really disclose any more of that information
2: I understand completely was anything with the remains that led you to believe it was a male or a female?
1: They did a study of the remains uh, anthropologists looked over it from Michigan State University and determined that the, the remains are that of a female between thirty and fifty years old. Between four seven four foot seven inches and I believe five I think four, it was... five inches.
2: Okay. And I'm going to guess that because the remains had been in the woods for such a long time that it's safe to assume that some of the bones were not found. That's that animals may have disturbed the remains, which makes such a such actually, a height discrepancy.
1: Actually you are partially right there. Uh okay. there was evidence of animals on the remains. Almost all bones uh, pertaining to Jane Doe, is what we've called her, have been located. Oh good. So good. we we'd actually have a large number of the remains enough to complete almost an entire skeleton.
2: Excellent. That doesn't always happen, so that's no not at all. No. Al Alcona County is is not a super it's a rural county, correct? Okay.
1: Yeah, we're roughly close to seven hundred square miles. I would say right around an average of nine thousand people that inhabit it. Very rural. There's spots in this county you can travel for miles and there's no one around.
2: Can I ask, on average, how many murders Alcona County sees in a year?
1: A year? Yes. Not very often. Um, We do have them that occur, but very rare.
2: Okay, so this is not a high crime area. This is a more rural community, small towns. Tourism is probably pretty important.
1: we, We deal with the same crime that anywhere else in the state or country does. It's just our volume is much lower. Okay. But we have the same type of violent crime anywhere else. We have a lot of violent crime that can and does take place We in our county. We have crime just like anywhere else. In the
2: summer and then during hunting season, I would guess your population of the county increases as people come up for vacations or to hunt or to enjoy. It's beautiful country up there. Um, I have family in Alpena, so I know it's just, it's a gorgeous sort of rustic area. So you you tend to see a lot more people coming up to enjoy the lakes to, you know, is it Hubbard Lake is up there, you're right off Lake Huron, and then the hunting season, it's a great area to go hunting.
1: We have several inland lakes as well. We have the Sabo River, so outdoor enthusiasts uh, of all types really do come here to enjoy hiking, camping, biking, anything to be outdoors. We get a lot of that, yeah.
2: And then back to our Jane Doe. When she was found, DNA as an investigative tool wasn't where it is now. It was still, we could say, in its infancy. Can you talk about steps that were taken in the years immediately following her discovery to try and identify her?
1: So I received this case back in 2008, middle of 2008 and almost right away I had a, a tip come in on a, a missing woman who matched Jane Doe. Her name was uh, Laura Alber, I believe.
2: Yeah, Laura Lee Albers
1: and yep. she's the reason and that you
2: and I ended up talking because one of my listeners asked about Laura Lee.
1: Yes, yes. Um, a tip came in. Um, Laura's daughter who had hired a private investigator to find her mom And we ended up crossing paths and talking, and Laura was a remarkable resemblance of Jane Doe. Um, There wasn't real solid dental records on Laura to be matched with Jane Doe, so we ended up uh, reaching out to the daughter and talking with uh, the doctors and different scientists who had explored the idea of DNA at the time where it had grown from 94 to 2008, And we were able to acquire uh, DNA of uh, Laura's daughter and extract DNA from Jane Doe, the remains of Jane Doe, and do a test, which successfully allowed us to get, it was at the time, mitochondria DNA. Unfortunately, Laura wasn't a match, but um, we at least had DNA on Jane Doe at that point in time.
2: So you could exclude her as being various people?
1: Yes, yes, it was a, a major, major step for us in, in helping identify who Jane Doe potentially is. So from there, it just kind of grew. We've uh, kept in touch with labs and, and different scientists throughout the country. In 2015, we were able to get nuclear DNA on Jane Doe. Excellent. So that was huge, huge breakthrough for us there. Um, and you know, potentially identifying who Jane Doe is.
2: Can I ask, because my listeners are going to ask me, and so I'd like to ask you, and if you can't answer that's fine, but a lot of people ask if the DNA has been entered into one of the familial DNA sites like Ancestry or 23andMe. Can you comment on if that avenue has been explored or if other avenues have been explored?
1: I have no control over the DNA, uh, where it's going at this point in time. Um, NamUs has the DNA records on file. They are assisting with that investigation. If they've done that, I am not aware of. If they think it would help the case uh, to do it, I'm sure they've explored that idea and went there. But uh, most of that I leave to their discretion because they're the experts in that area. They are constantly running down tips for us on possible matches. And last week, it's been just fury of information coming in from all over possible matches for Jane Doe. And it's been real exciting this last uh, week working this case.
2: I'm glad to hear that because it would be nice to give her a name. Was there anything in particular that led? I, I heard about the case in the Missing in Michigan group. And I saw that there was a Channel 7, which is our local ABC affiliate news story on it. Was there anything in particular that prompted it or did they just decide to run the story?
1: Well, what happened was we ended up, I would say probably a year or two ago, we started exploring the real solid idea of the forensic artistry of recreating uh, the people's images based on the, the human remains and skulls and stuff particularly how how those uh how the artists render those images of how how people would have looked um, yes. based on the bone structures and we have been told that since ninety five when the original one was done um leaps and bounds have been done in the field of forensic artistry and renderings and creations of what people look like and we we really got a lot of information that was given to us about different avenues we could take. So we explored some ideas with, uh, the MSP, uh, the Michigan state police, uh, right. forensic artistry did an image for us. That was absolutely fantastic. The artist anthropologist, I believe that was on that. Her name is Jane Winkmiller, Dr. Jane Winkmiller. Uh, she was employed with state police. She did a great job doing a image then we were notified of LSU, Louisiana State University. They specialize in computer imaging and renderings of what people looked like based on uh, skulls, and they were able to put together a, a lifelike image of what a person would have looked like in a photo that, based on Jane Doe's skulls, and, and provided that. And also uh, the FBI. Someone had reached out to them, and they had been in contact with us about some of their artistry and how they do it, and they provide us a, a great image as well. So we had three images that were released after we had received all this information and talked with uh, all the investigators uh, who were assisting me in this investigation, decided that we needed to release these images, and try to get a, a buzz going out in the, around the area throughout Michigan and surrounding areas. We're even exploring Canada at this point in time um, right. because we are so close to Canada. i um, getting this uh, image of Jane Doe out there and, and see if we can find someone that may recognize her and know her as someone that has gone missing to help us.
2: And I have to say, I've seen these images and I'm going to share them with my listeners. They will be both in the Facebook group and on the website so you can take a look. They're amazing. There's there's yeah. several different images and, and from different angles, which I found striking because you don't always remember what somebody looks like straight head on. So seeing them at, at turned at an angle, that's more likely how you're going to see someone and, and remember them. So yeah. I was really impressed with that. And it's also really heartening to me to see so many agencies stepping up to lend assistance to identify this woman.
1: That is true. Uh, I've been in contact with many officers throughout the entire state who have been working, um, similar cases to mine. And it's, it's great to share ideas and, and leads and different ideas at the most of, you know, how to look into the case a little differently and find different things that work for each other and, and helping each other. It's, it's been a, a really great community and sharing information back and forth and, getting our cases out there and talking with other people about our cases.
2: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I'm very appreciative that you agreed to speak with me this morning so that I could get the information out to our listeners. Many of them are from Michigan or have moved away from Michigan and like hearing about what's going on back at home. I do have a question about Jane Doe. I don't know if this is correct or not. So if I'm wrong, please feel free to tell me. I have read that she had a, a distinctive gap between her front teeth. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. That's something you don't see in the sketch, so it's it's worth mentioning. Can you talk about it a little bit, about her teeth?
1: On the, the image that Dr. Jane Wankmiller did, uh, it's pencil drawing. It has been released uh, on the news release. It's the black and white or grayish and white image uh, that has been done. You can see clearly the, the gap in the, the teeth. Uh, she presented that in a fashion that I really enjoyed because as people look at that image, they get an idea of when we say a space between the front teeth, obviously everyone's uh, image is going to vary based on how big of a gap. Dr. Winkmiller's image is very precise and, and gives a very clear image of that, that gap. It's, it's very noticeable and... And then uh, something that you would remember.
2: Okay, so that is a distinctive feature about our Jane Doe who's been dead and unidentified for almost thirty years now. Exactly. Is there anything that our listeners can do? Obviously I want them to share the image and and take a look well take a look at the image and then share the image if they wouldn't mind on social media, but is there anything else that listeners can do or that information that you're looking for? about this case.
1: The only thing I can add is if if someone has a subject in mind they think may be a match to Jane Doe, if that individual is a in namus, their DNA or dental records are a namus, understand that Jane Doe has been cross matched to that individual and they've already been ruled out. Um, okay. if they think that there's something that needs a little more attention in the file, I'm more than willing to listen to them and and take a look at or answer any questions they might have but uh but understand if there are clear dental records and dna records and names on that case then chances are that they've already been ruled out Uh, i have a lot of people that ask me questions about what about this person and i research it and find out that they are in namus and i explain to them that it's not possible they're already in namus a lot of a lot of people are confused by well, they're not on the exclusion list. I can't add every single person that's a nameless on the exclusion list. It would be really difficult to to go through that list to to have every person in the country that has been reported missing uh, who has dental records that has DNA records on file. The list would be enormous. Absolutely, I be able to, to go through that list. So just knowing that that file is in that system in the in the hands of the organization namus helps me know that okay I can look at it a little closer maybe but for the most part there's a really strong chance that this isn't going to be the person because they would have been notified or hit with my case already.
2: If you think that Alcona County Jane Doe could be a specific person, first check and see if the person is in namus before forwarding the tip. Because if they are it in helps. Namus they've been rolled out. Yes. Okay.
1: We do explore some possibilities, Um, the cases that are in NamUs that don't have the proper dental records or they don't have the proper DNA. We will explore those cases a little bit more, but if it's a very open, clear indication that there is valid dental records, valid DNA on file, then that person has already been matched to.
2: Okay. If somebody has a tip about this case, someone who maybe isn't in NamUs or is in NamUs with a partial NamUs file, there's no DNA or there's no dental records, what is the best way to share that tip so that it is passed on to the right people?
1: Uh, The easiest way to reach me would be at my office telephone number. That number is 989-724-6271.
2: So... Her body was discovered by hunters back in bow hunting season back in nineteen ninety four and I've seen in other cases, such as Danny Stazlicky case out of Farmington Hills, where the families and law enforcement put out a press release asking hunters to be vigilant for things that shouldn't be in the woods. Can you expand on that?
1: Believe it or not, we've had cases in the past where hunters were in our county setting up things for their hunting season, setting up blinds and, and various things and have discovered um, remains of uh people that have been found in the woods and uh, other locations. They uh, they've actually been a lot of help and I think it's that that natural instinct for a hunter that is in the woods, looking around, taking in every detail of the area around them and where game may be possibly coming through and so they'd have the best advantage to uh, to harvest the game. They're looking around the area and their attention to their detail, what they're looking at and focusing on, it's, it's very easy for them to, uh, to discover that. When they find things that don't normally look right, please contact law enforcement, let us know. Uh, we'll come out and examine it and try to figure out what it is. Sometimes we found a lot of lost property that people have lost, and uh, we're able to retrieve that for uh, those individuals. You know, it's all found by hunters that are out in the area where most people don't normally get out to and find things that have been left by others. I've shared
2: information about other cases where people were wearing distinctive clothing. I covered a case out of Quebec, Luc de Rocher, who was wearing a very distinctive purple belt, and his father asked hunters to please keep an eye out for his son's purple plastic trimmed belt because that may lead a family to an answer. You now they don't think people like myself who are not hunters necessarily realize the significance of things that, that hunters could uncover and they could become the hero in someone's story.
1: There's a lot of times where family members that are looking for their loved ones will give something such as that purple belt, an idea of things to look for. Uh, a lot of times maybe it's a, uh, a necklace or a watch or something, you know, a certain jacket that someone always wore. And that always helps. If it's always with that individual, it's going to be close to wherever that indiv- individual's last seen.
2: Deputy, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me this morning and sharing information about the Alcona County Jane Doe with my listeners and listeners i will put something in the show notes and on the webpage and on facebook so that if you have information about this case that it can be passed on to the proper authorities for investigation
0: one of the circumstances of this case that amazes me is how many agencies are involved in trying to identify alcona county doe from anthropologists at michigan state university to the fbi the University of North Texas Health Science Center, Louisiana State University, and the FROST program out of Northern Michigan University. Jane Wankmiller, who did the sketch Sheriff Leesburg mentioned, is the director of Northern Michigan's FROST program. FROST is an acronym, Forensic Research Outdoor Station. I'll be posting Wankmiller's sketch on the website and on our Facebook page. Please take a look. Thank you again to Kelly for the tip about Laura Lee Alber, which led me to this story. Thank you also to Sheriff Leesburg for making time to talk with us today. If you have information about the identity of Jane Doe, please contact the Alcona County Sheriff's Department at 989-724-6271. If you have comments, questions, or feedback about the podcast or the cases discussed here, email me, host at alreadygonepodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Already Gone Pod. You can visit our website, alreadygonepodcast.com, and you can find the podcast on Facebook, where you can join the Already Gone Podcast discussion group. We are thankful to this week's sponsors, Zola, the online registry portal. Visit Zola.com slash gone. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash gone and receive a $50 credit toward your registry. Also, CanvasPeople.com. Get a free 11 by 14 canvas. You just pay shipping. I love my CanvasPeople.com canvas, and it makes a great gift. That's CanvasPeople.com. Use code gone at checkout. I'm Nina Instead, the writer, producer, and voice behind Already Gone. I'm wishing you a very happy and healthy holiday season. I look forward to connecting with you again in January, and please, be safe.